We are back. Welcome everybody into the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. This is episode three. Uh, I am your host, Blake Byler, and I'm joined as always by Matthew Gibson. Howdy. Say, hey, Matthew. And by Jacob Pickle. Hey, all. How's it going? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Good. We're here to talk some basketball. Um, we just finished the ESPN Events Invitational well, down Disney in World. Disney World, the most magical place on earth. And Alabama left with a 2-1 and one record, highlighted most recently by a win over Miami. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that game a little bit. Uh, Matthew, tell me one thing that you saw in the Miami game that uh, pleased you, besides the 52% from the three-point line, because that one's obvious. Keon Ellis. He struggled a little bit versus uh, Drake and Iona, but he had a really big bounce-back game versus Miami. He was very, very impressive on the defensive end and on offense. Um, he had, what, 22 points, I think? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did have 22. He looked awesome. Um, I've been saying it all year. I think he's the best two-way player in the country, and I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, so Keon Ellis, he looked really good. He, I noticed against both Iona and Drake that he was like a little hesitant when he would get the ball. He would catch the ball on the wing and do this little like half jab step thing and drive, and he wasn't really looking to score. But then there was that shot early in the uh, early in the first half against Miami where. We swung it to him on the wing, and the second he caught the ball, he shot it. And perfect shot, nothing but net from the corner. And then from then on, he went, what, five for six? Yep. Five for six from three? And that that kind of confidence in his shot, we need a lot more of that going forward because our guards really struggled. I don't in, think Keon really understands how good he can be. He's yeah. when he, he can take over any game that he wants to. Mm-hmm. It's he just really all can. about – you know, just having the confidence to get out there and do that every game. And he's yeah. athletic enough to be able to like finish inside. He had a couple and ones, that like dunk too. The dunk, yes. number five on Sports Center. Yeah, Good number job. five on the Sports yeah. Center top ten. I mean, it's aggressive, and he. It's like I think a lot of his thing is mental, but not in the fact that like he gets mentally like phased just by the fact that like he's not he doesn't quite understand how like how good he can be, and once he fully yep. gets comfortable in a game, uh, because he is like a great like threat that teams have to defend on the wing uh, for shooting now as well as like the ability for him to drive so like, he automatically draws attention but he still has to like in each and every game like create a little bit more than just like draw attention yep. um, and he's capable of doing that whether it's dishing and he's got great handles uh, he can absolutely put defenders uh, in the spin cycle uh, he he handles the ball very well and he's got that kind of Ray Allen quick catch and shoot <laughs> like <laughs> with somebody in his face and that ball like some of his shots, man, they come off so fast. Like I don't know if they have like two feet of arc, but they go in, especially against Miami. So they that do. Was big. And we really need him to be able to create his own shot because that's one thing we struggled with a lot against Iona in yep. that loss was they were running us off the three point line and we didn't have uh we didn't really have as much opportunity for catch and shoot threes and so our offense was resulting to just Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackle for driving and trying to create their own shot, which it worked for a little bit, but the the limitations on offense allowed Iona back yep. into the game. And we couldn't run out in transition. We couldn't get a lot of that done. Um, another person I want to talk about was uh, J.D. Davison over the course of this tournament. The, the kid grew up a little bit, and you could really tell that he started getting more and more comfortable. I feel like he really uh, kind of is growing into – what he can become, and he's realizing how good he can be. Uh, for example, you see him uh, driving in. I remember he did this a couple times against Drake, 
Um, he drove in and just like back to the basket, just being a bigger guard than whoever was guarding him, drove down and scored, just got easy buckets in the lane. And if he can continue to do that, that's gonna, another thing that can really open up our offense because people can collapse on him, and he has some of the best vision on the team and can, can be able to find people on the wing for shots. Yeah, definitely. I, I love what JD's becoming, and I love what he was able to do this week. Uh, yeah, this past week at Walt Disney World. Uh, I really do think he is growing into the player that he will be uh, with his speed and strength to getting towards the rim and also his vision is insane like ha- half the passes he hit this weekend whenever he would get there like I just looking at the broadcast like I wouldn't even initially see who it was going to I was just like oh the ball's <laughs> there and I think you get that effect definitely in person too he had that oh, one on Iono whenever he like spun off a defender and then drove down it was in transition and he went up and I thought they were going to get him for a charge because there was a guy set up like the defender was getting set to try to draw a charge but he like whipped the ball to the uh, wing and Shaq caught it and hit a three I was like, oh my gosh, that pass was incredible. I didn't even see him open. He sees things that I can't see from the broadcast angle, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And he creates those things too. Like yes. it's oh, the it's what he draws whenever, you know, he's going to finish at the rim. Like all of his overtime highlights <laughs> would lead the defenses <laughs> to believe. And they I mean they have to protect against that because if you allow him to get like if Iona would have allowed him to get like one big dunk towards the end of the game and get that momentum, that's a different ball game. But they exactly. they didn't and because he drew them in, he found shots outside. Now, we couldn't take any shots, and golly, we couldn't make a three. Went five for 17 from three. That's one of the – that's 29.4%. That's really low for us. That's also low for attempts. Yeah. And 17 threes. We just didn't didn't create the space that we needed to get shots up. Uh, they defended interior well. They slowed down the game. One of the biggest things that we've done is pace of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, of course, mastermind Rick Pitino with Iona. Yeah, I saw a stat. I saw a stat that I think we were about to say the same thing, but I saw a stat that said the only uh, there have only been two times under Nate Oates that we've shot less than twenty threes, and it's been both games against Iona and Rick Pitino. So, yeah. he, a Hall of Fame coach, he knows what he's doing. That loss is not uh, going to be detrimental at all. No. Like, yeah, it, I, ESPN was running with the headline like it was on the lead or like whatever the like the top headlines and oh, it was at, the, at like the bottom on yeah. sport. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Iona upsets number ten Alabama. It's like if you know anything about college basketball and you understand who's coaching Iona and you understand like the level of mid major that Iona is, like yes, it's an upset. We are a top ten team or Anarchy? we are a top ten team. No, just college, just college, just college basketball. basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like it doesn't look as it's not going to look as bad as it felt like. No, and like it's April, and it's not. It's not a good loss. Like it's not going to be a quad one loss or anything like that. But definitely uh, max Q two. You know that the second that Rick Pitino saw his non conference schedule, and he had just played Alabama in the tournament, and he sees Alabama as his first matchup in the ESPN Events Invitational, you knew that team was going to be ready, and that their whole goal all off season, like one of their first goals, was to knock Alabama off at the start of that tournament, and they came ready, and they did. We we came out flat. We came out sloppy. that's okay though. Like we we were able to rally, got the, the nice win over Drake, and the offense killed it against Miami. So that loss isn't going to be as bad. I felt a lot better watching Kansas lose to Dayton in the same <laughs> oh, tournament. Yeah, Anthony Grant, baby. Anthony Grant getting they the, winning the entire tournament. Dayton did so good for them. It it was yeah. a little upsetting knowing that we probably could have gone on to win the whole thing had we beat Iona, knowing that Kansas would have lost. But at the same time. Uh, sometimes losses are good because you can learn from them, just like Western Kentucky last year. Yeah. Yep. Rostin said so. so Rostin did say so. That reminds him of the uh, the Western Kentucky team from last year, and I, 
you know, question, maybe a few questionable calls down the, the road. You can't blame hashtag the refs as much as uh, we really should in a non-conference invitational. But the game against Iona, definitely, we, we had our chances against a still good team who played us very well, and we did not play really our game. And I think we'll use that. I mean, what, I think there was the Oates was supposed to have a radio interview. Like oh yeah, I saw it. It was the um, it was the assistant coaches were supposed to have a radio interview, and they were late to them because like they were still hour. in a meeting with Oates and the players, which is good. It shows a lot of like care within the program, which is really good. I'm just excited to see what we can do moving forward, how we can bounce back. And we saw that against Drake. The The Drake game was a little up and down, the majority of it. Like, I remember we built a little lead in the first half, and then they went on like a, a 10, 11 run, something like that, and cut it uh, towards the end of halftime. Second half looked a little better, but like, I don't know, we still felt we still felt flat offensively. Definitely. Is that is that just me, or did y'all feel that too? No, I agree. I <clears throat> just didn't see a lot of energy from that team, um, but I think they picked it up in the second half. It was a lot better game. They did. Um, Javon Quinley in the end just started taking over, and um, that pulled out the W for us. I really liked against Drake the uh, the new starting five that we rolled out there. We moved Noah Gurley to the bench. We moved our boy Jawan Gary into the starting yes, lineup. Uh, oh, yeah. Love seeing that. Also, really, really big to get him back from injury. And we could see against Drake how important he is to this team because it feels like wherever the loose ball is, like if if there's a loose ball on the court, wherever it is, he's going to find it. Absolutely. And he always finds a way to end up with it in his hands and then just goes up and gets a quick layup. Yep. I think he had – he was our leading scorer with 14 against Drake. Is that right, Jacob? You have uh, stats pulled up over there. Yeah, I, I believe that is right. Um, keep on going. Let me make sure that is that is the case. No, I think I think Coyley had 18. Yeah, um, that might okay. be right. Yeah. But either way, uh, Gary got the hard hat, his second hard hat of the year. He he will end the year with the most. That is Oh, he has did. to. He did have a double-double, though. He did. Yeah, he had a double-double. Second, second of the year. In, I mean, what, that was his third game that he played, right? Or no, he got hurt against South Alabama. Did he get hurt against South Alabama or South Dakota State? South Dakota State. That's yeah, right. he missed, yeah, so was, he missed the South Alabama and Oakland games. Yeah, yeah so his second real full fourth, game of the fourth year. Fourth game of the year. Fourth, yeah. But, like, third full game because he missed half of South Alabama. And he had, yeah. what did he have? So what? Gary had 14, Shaq had 14, and Quinterly had 14 uh, oh. against Drake. So he technically was the leading scorer. Look at that. But yeah, the, Gary in the starting lineup makes so much of a difference. And I think I think it helped Noah Gurley as well. Because I think Gurley felt more comfortable, maybe less pressure. I don't know the whole psychological thing with it, but it felt like Gurley looked a lot more comfortable coming off the bench. He was able to play I know he played the five a good bit with our like different like with our different like bench lineups and things like that. Um I saw him, he was able he was finally finishing post moves which is really nice to see and he's also making shots he made two shots against drake on the, on the two his, line both with his foot on the line it's unacceptable i know Oates toe. is running him in practice for that it's a bad shot just take one just look down at your feet just take Carly. a step just, back just, buddy just take one step back yeah. but um i definitely think that helped him and gary out just switching their roles and them being able to thrive in those is really going to help us moving forward um yeah, and I, th- I think some of that pace of play with Gurley uh, is a result of coming to a faster-paced offense than uh, Furman. Because oh, yeah, yeah, like for sure. Just mental speed, uh, I think that's something that he uh, will develop on. Uh, 
which I think him coming off the bench allows him to like watch, observe the game for a little bit, then come in and make a difference. But finishing those post moves is big because Alabama has notorious la- notoriously last year our one of our biggest struggles was the big man inside, and yeah. we have obviously Charles Bediaku has been great this year. Uh, I don't know exactly how many points he's averaging. I think it's around. It's the like seven, six, seven. It's like six, yeah. seven. Yeah, enough. Perf- enough. Uh, and then Gurley's able to come in and square up on the four and post up, and he he gets in the position to make a lot of post moves. Like he does because he knows yeah. how to do it. Like he was yeah. a, he was a all Southern Conference like second team all SoCon post player. Like he knows how to get inside and get a bucket. Right. He has this baby hook that he uses, and it's just been a little short all year. Yes, we it's started seeing him slightly finally short. convert that a little bit. It's like it so. t- holds on the top of the front of the rim. Yes, and, and like just, oops, goes just off. flick yeah. your wrist a little harder. Yeah. That's yep. all you got to do. Exactly. And that will also open up this offense so much more. There's so many weapons on this offense. Another weapon, speaking of Charles Bediaco, he is one of the best passing big men I think I've seen in a long time. Because he he always gets the ball. If we run like a screen, a pick and roll, and he gets the ball, he catches it up top, and he immediately looks to the wing to kick it back out. And it's so so helpful for this offense because that's just able to open everything up. Because everyone collapses on a seven footer when he gets the ball inside. He also does it off offensive rebounds. If he doesn't go straight back up with the offensive rebound, he's able to kick it out for a three. He had five assists as a seven foot center. Against Miami, I think. Is I like that right? That. Uh, I believe that is correct. Let's see. He had three assists. Three okay. assists. But still. Even still. then. Like, that, that's still and really off- impressive. And five offensive rebounds. So five possessions oh, he kept alive amazing. by sheer grit. Yeah, And just being bigger than everybody. And whenever we have that and whenever we can continue to like hold the ball and get shots up, I mean, eventually, like with this Alabama team, shots will go in. Uh, whether it's right at the rim or from the three line or from your foot on the three line, shots start to go in the more you take. Uh, so it's pace of play, and Iona slowed us down, but we were able to speed Miami up after a pretty abysmal first 10 minutes that we came in. Oh, it was rough. We were down by like play. eight, right, yep. or something like that. And then we went on a, over the the remaining however long it was, we went on a 45-11 to 11 run Would was the run I saw that we went on. Yeah, it was – we were down 27-18. Absolutely incredible. And then went into half on a 15-3. to And then obviously came out, won the second half by 32. Or by 29. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah. Just just big. Uh, so whenever we can do that to teams and, you know, have a weak first half and then come out the second half and just blow teams out of the water, that's obviously going to be good for production. Uh, it was good against Miami. Drake, we saw a little bit of it. I don't know. We did not see one lick of it but <laughs> not one that is uh, we also saw that against Oakland with honestly I thought the Oakland game you know just throwing it a little bit back before Thanksgiving break uh, for some home games but I thought the Oakland game of the four was probably that and Louisiana Tech were going to be our closest closest games most complete game yeah I think Oakland was well now I would say Miami was our most complete game yeah um but well, honest, not even because we didn't play a, a great first half against Miami. Oakland, we just played a great game the the whole night. Our defense looked really good in Orlando, which was one thing I know Oates has been really wanting to see yep. is uh, seeing this group really lock in defensively. Um, and I certainly think we saw that because a lot of our points weren't necessarily given up in half court sets. We gave up a lot of points in, against Miami on just turnovers. We had and just being sloppy with the ball in the first half which we absolutely have to cut down on if we are going to compete with uh, the things we have on this schedule coming up. All right, so let's talk about this um, upcoming game that Alabama has 
possibly the biggest game on the non-conference schedule, traveling to Seattle, Washington for the battle in Seattle in the crack house, the home of the Seattle Kraken, against the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the third-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. After they're coming off of last night, they played Tarleton State, a very small school out of Texas who was 1-6. And, and Tarleton State was giving I'm, them yeah. a game. It was a two-point game in the second half. I was a little surprised, uh, especially to see that Gonzaga team coming off a loss to one, possibly, the game of the year so far against the now top-ranked Duke Blue Devils. Jacob, did you watch that game? I did. Yeah, that was a... Tell uh, me what you saw. One, Duke Duke is back for the year. Duke is back. They're La- good. Co- Coach K has put all of his energy, sold all the souls, uh, done whatever he has to do. Uh, Duke, Duke is very good. I love the way that they play. Is Coach K going out with a 40-0 and Duke team? He is not. Uh, now, the ACC <laughs> is not exactly a murderer's row. Um, no, they're bad. The ACC is not good. The ACC is not good. The ACC Big Ten Challenge is like the, the Big Ten. I mean, outside of Duke, Ohio State, and I don't know a ton of the matchups, but just the first one that comes to mind is Purdue-Florida State. Uh, that, that game just isn't going to be close. Michigan-North Carolina is one of them. That is a good game. Ooh. Now, I think North Carolina is not legit this year. Neither uh, is Michigan so far. Yeah, I think Michigan is not I mean, they're okay, a number one seed like they were last year, but no. I definitely think they're still They're, they're good. a top four seed, probably. They're a top four seed. Eventually. I think UNC is five to eight. But, uh, yeah, Gonzaga-Duke. Yeah. What what do you see from... We all know about their, their front court and the, the junior Drew Timmy, who Alabama recruited at one point. And Avery what Johnson, been? Avery Johnson missed on what could have been, and then the number one uh, player at a high school, number one player uh, on every NBA draft board, Chet Holmgren. Uh, what did you see from them, and how do you think Alabama is going to match up with them? So Chet is a very interesting player because he looks like Flat Stanley. <laughs> However, he plays with the confidence and like an ability to you know be snapped in half uh, of a strong guard. And it's really interesting. And, like, he looks so unathletic. A 7-1 wing is really weird. Yeah. But he uh, – I and it wasn't Gonzaga-Duke, but it was a different game where he had, like, carried the ball up the court. Oh, it was UCLA. Okay, yeah, UCLA. I watched that game. Yeah. yeah. Carried the ball up the court, behind the back dribbled, into the uh, – like, into the paint, and then dunked on somebody. And he jumped from, like, barely past the free throw line, and it was such yeah. an easy dunk. Like, it, it looked, looked effortless. so effortless. Effortless. Uh, he, he's just a unique prospect. Now, I don't know if he is absolutely elite. I don't know if this is sustainable. Uh, he had, what, 16 against Duke? He did. I'm looking at the stats right now. Okay. He had 16.7 rebounds. That's pretty good. It's almost a double-double. That's, double. that's pretty good. I mean, he, he's definitely a very talented player. Timmy had 17 and 5. Yeah. And 5 assists. That's, that's honestly a down game for Timmy. Um, it is. I would say for Alabama Gonzaga, I'm more worried about what Timmy will do than what Chet will do, because I think uh, Angry Chuck, I think Charles Bediaco will match up well with Chet Holmgren. Uh, I don't think Bediaco necessarily has the ball handling ability and ability to defend out there like Chet does uh, in small regards. But also we have shown and we've talked about Charles's passing ability, and whenever you pass the way that he does on such quick passes. You don't have to handle the ball like Chet does. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Also, Gonzaga has possibly one of the most underrated players in the country in Andrew Nembhard. Yeah. Their point guard, who is a transfer from Florida, and then uh, started for them. or No, he's a six-man for them last year, I think. Yeah, he was yep. six-man. Six Came man off the bench. Jalen. Now he's their starting point guard. Didn't have a great game against Duke. Had six points. He did have 11 assists. Um, but he has been a very solid player for them. They also have uh, guys like uh, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas. 
uh, guys that come off the bench and can produce. But the the biggest things I'm looking for in this game is how does Alabama match up with Drew Timmy? I don't even know who we put on him, to be completely I, honest. I think we put the junkyard dog, Juwan Gary. Uh, also, all-time troll. Maybe working his way oh, up. Oh, his Twitter is just Alabama so good. Incredible. If y'all, if y'all don't know, Juwan Gary has posted memes and videos that fans have made for him and sent him. And he's posted them after wins. What what is Jawan Gary's Twitter? It's like it's like take, take flight, flight but with no e. Something like yeah, that. yeah. Hey, I'm it's about very to intriguing. I'm about to plug Jawan Gary's Twitter, oh. but I yeah. just found it. It's it's take flight twenty four, but take doesn't have an e. So T A K flight twenty four. Follow follow Jawan Gary on Twitter for this great content. Absolutely. But yeah, I think Gary. I think he's our best option. I I feel like I wonder. If we put Gary on Timmy, or if we want to put Charles Bediaco on Timmy for the height, the the strength might not necessarily be there, but he might be able to match up. Like he'll be able to match up size wise, and so I know his like his length will be able to alter Drew Timmy's like post hook mm-hmm. or his moves inside. And honestly, Bediaco is really good about not leaving his feet. He doesn't bite on pump fakes very often no, from what no. we've seen so far. And so, like, up and unders from Timmy won't necessarily work on him, whereas against Gary, Timmy's going to be able to just go straight up and get a get a bank shot, and it's going to be, like, simple for him, I feel yeah. like. I can True. tell you someone that he's going to step up this game is going to be Keon Ambrose Hilton because mm. Gonzaga's a big team. Yes, Alabama's they are. going to get in foul trouble. Keon Ambrose <sighs> Hilton's going to get minutes, and he's going to have to play well. I think um, you're right. Yeah, I do, I do hate that I think you're right. Uh I want to see more Ambrose Hilton. I think I think he played really well against Miami. He yeah. pivots the ball really well, like off the the screen, like coming off of it. Uh, whenever who's whoever's bringing up the ball, he gets into like right at the free throw line, pivots, ball goes into him, and he distributes out from there, and it opens up the court. So I like what I see from there, and yeah, he is going to have to come in clutch because we have two good bigs. Uh, we have Charles and you know somebody at the four, whether it's Gary or Gurley, uh, but they have two good bigs. So one of those will come into foul trouble, like you said, Matthew. And I think Keanu Bruce Hilton's going to have to come in clutch. We're yeah. going to have to defend. We're going to have to defend really well. I think when it comes to the matchup on Chet Holmgren, I kind of like Gary on him because I don't. I haven't seen much of a post game from Holmgren so far from what I've seen. Not yet. I don't know if he really has like well, Timmy has a great post up game. I don't. I don't think Holmgren does, and so. If Holmgren wants to go play on the wing, please put Jawan Gary on him, because Jawan Gary can lock up guards on the wing yeah. with his perimeter def- with his perimeter defense. And if you put this like scrawny seven one kid on this absolute bulky six six Jawan Gary, yeah. and he tries to drive inside, Gary's not having any of that. And here's the thing with Chet Holmgren. He loves to talk trash. So if you talk trash to Jawan Gary, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You are. You are. Yeah. I don't think Chet wants to do that. And that that's that's going to be such an interesting matchup is just how how we match up with them inside. I think we can go we can go stride for stride with them when it comes to guard play. Like I think so too. Like I would say we might even edge them just a little bit. We might play. honestly. Like whether it's Nemhard or anybody else playing point guard like a JQ on Nimhard, that might not even be a matchup. We might put Shackleford on Nimhard because of the because Nimhard's a little taller. But either way, are are JD coming off the bench? Like I don't know, do they have anybody off the bench that can really guard JD? Uh, Hunter Salas maybe. He's a big guy. He yeah. only played five minutes against Duke. 
which shocked me. I thought he was going to play more. Yeah. I'm I, looking up currently Gonzaga's like full <coughs> stats. To bottom. Our audience is once again getting live research. I from Blue Collar Unplugged. I think off the I think our depth again is just going to show. And now I Again, I know we've referenced this just about every episode, but having Namari Barnett also coming off would be just another. <sighs> if deadly. only we had Burnett. Yeah, and and this team is still so good, and I think the potential is there. Uh, but Matthew, I know you and I have talked about the the ability to guard play and like for whoever we have, like of our really three main guards of JD, JQ, uh, and Shaq, whatever person comes off the bench, normally JD or JQ, mm-hmm. depending on timing, yep. um, yeah, comes in and makes an impact. So I. Th- think the change of pace from either one just different since play style uh mm-hmm. will cause enough that we can get a little bit of an advantage go on a little bit of a run so this back. man right here julian strother is uh he wears number zero for gonzaga he's a sophomore six foot seven wing guard i was about to say julian strother scares me almost more than anybody else besides timmy and uh, yeah you know yeah. Strother is like, going to be Keon Ellis's matchup, and Keon is going to have to bring his A game defensively. He normally does, but he's definitely going to have to. Strother's averaging 14.7 rebounds on the season, shooting 52% from the field. He scored 20 against Duke, which was his best game of the year. He shot 42% from three in that game, had 10 rebounds. Um, so he he's going to be a tough matchup. They're just Gonzaga is just so good all across the board, but I do like that. In the past two games, that America has seen that they're vulnerable. Because I remember yeah. after the UCLA game, everyone just assumed that Gonzaga is just going to run the table again. They're going to be undefeated going into the tournament because the West Coast Conference is bad outside of BYU and St. Mary's. And so everyone just assumed that Gonzaga was untouchable again. And then Duke proved them wrong. And then little Tarleton State from out in Texas gave them a game. And I think that gives our guys a little bit of hope. We need to. It's it's like when teams play uh, Alabama in football, like when teams come out Talk. and they're not scared. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> when teams come out and they're not scared of Alabama, they play them well. We just saw that with Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Like so, if we can come out and not be like, oh god, they're Gonzaga, we're so scared. Like if we can come out and take the fight to them, which I think we can. I think we can give them a good game. Yep. Do we have score predictions? I think this game is a barn burner. I mean, we're we're 11th in adjusted uh, tempo. So is that on se- Ken Palm? Yeah, of course, Ken Palm. All hell, Ken Palm. Uh, 73.4 possessions for 40 minutes. Uh, Gonzaga's at 34, which is you know low, but that's 72.2. So really, there's not a difference. Uh, we are going to pace each other very well. I, th- I like yeah. that we're going to get to play at our speed, and we're going to get to play an opponent that also likes to play fast. Because yeah. Iona and Drake both really tried to slow us down, and it honestly worked. But now Gonzaga likes to play just as fast as we do, so we're going to get to run with them all game, and that's how Nate Oates loves to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say if we get to 80, uh, we don't lose. So that is really yeah. prediction. Uh, I think – Give me a score. 87-83. Who? Alabama 87 Gonzaga 83. Ooh, oh, okay. All right. I, I think it's possible. I think it's going to be an awful day to be a G Bulldog on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> oh, brother. But I I really do think we Saturday. can come home with a win in the battle in Seattle. And honestly, with how the two games after and how Houston and Memphis have looked and their feast week tournaments. I'm scared of Houston. I, 
Houston Houston looked okay. I think Houston is they, very beatable loss, at home. Their only loss was a hot Wisconsin team. I I still think Houston's beatable. But we do have them at home, and Memphis looks bad too. Uh, Memphis is actually Memphis, bad. Memphis just got smoked by Iowa State. But like 27. Not, I'm not necessarily. Okay, I will say, though, Iowa State has looked good this year. They have. I expected they have Iowa really State good. to be absolutely terrible. They're They've been what, good. They're 6-0. Six six and and oh. Yeah. yeah. They're, ra- they're they beat, picked to be last in the Big 12. They beat uh, Memphis by 20. Yep. And they also <laughs> beat Xavier by 12. And Xavier's pretty good. They're a solid team. They're solid. But, Matthew, give me your Gonzaga prediction. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm thinking... 83-74, Gonzaga. 83-74, so that's a nine-point loss? Yep. Okay, and Jacob, you have us uh, with a four-point win? That would be correct. 87-83, I think it's doable. Uh, I think we shoot 32 threes on the dot and go... You're going to really say 17 for 32. 17 for 32. Good. Write it down. Oh, Any other right. deep predictions you if have we, there? If we shoot 17 Dewan for 32. Gary's have five high fives. Like, <laughs> five. Anything else? Uh, Alex Chiku, triple-double. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> I think Juwan Gary right hits. Now. Juwan Gary goes 12 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. That's actually realistic. Uh, I think I'm going to go with... Ah, oh, this is hard. I'm going to go... 90 to 87 Gonzaga. I think we can keep okay. up with them. I, I, I like that. I think we can run with them. I think Timmy's going to be a little too much for us to handle, but I think our shooting keeps us in the game. Um, it's going to be a fun one. I actually think I, – I say 90 to 87. It'll probably be like – 90 to 84 and we hit a three at the buzzer that doesn't count or that doesn't matter but i i think we can hang with them i just don't think this is one we're gonna win up in seattle i hope i'm wrong though i hope i'm wrong but that that's the prediction i'm gonna go with so the last thing i want us to talk about is uh the new ap poll came out this week and we dropped to uh i believe 16th that is right right 16th so we went uh 14 for the first week 14 again the second week rose to 10 and dropped to 16. Honestly, I thought we were going to drop more. But the dropping, I don't think really is anything that we need to worry about. No. No. Alabama no. controls their own destiny and how they play the rest of the season. And so. there are so many, so many opportunities coming so up. So many games. The next three games. Uh, three of our first four SEC games are against ranked teams now. We go Tennessee. Then we go Florida on the road. Florida's top 15 now. Yep. The number 14, I believe. Big risers. They moved nine spots after this week. Wow. And then uh, we play Missouri on the road, and then we have Auburn. And Auburn is what, number 20-something? Uh, Auburn's 21. 21, yep. yeah. And they, they look pretty good this week, too. Yeah. So plenty, plenty of opportunities for us to get quality wins, get those quad one wins for the net ranking, and to continue to climb. And we're, we're going to be we're gonna be just fine. Yeah. And I, loosely predicting... But I think five of our next six games probably will end up being quad one. Out, everything outside of J State, with Gonzaga. yeah, because I think I think Colorado State will be a quad one game. Yeah, I think they'll be pushing quad one. They'll be bottom quad one, maybe top quad two. Because it's a neutral site, so they just have to be top fifty in the net, right. which I think they will be. <laughs> net rankings, they're like all skewed right now because it's early in the season. Right. I'll I'll give a look at where Colorado. Do they even State have is. them like officially out? Nope, they don't even have them out yet. That's still last season. That is true. Three April fifth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, I think they come out in like January or something like that. They just need a bigger body of work. Right. But yeah, we're gonna be just fine. We have so many opportunities. But I think that 
is going to do it for uh, episode three of the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can follow us for updates on Twitter at BCU Podcast. And uh, that's going to be all from us. We will see you guys next time. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.